Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you have brought us through. Thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom to hear your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you use the study and the research that David has done to bring to us the, the information you want us to learn about you and about your politics. And we ask, Lord, that we would have attentive hearts and not squander the time, um, and that we may be blessed with what we learn. We pray, Lord, you orchestrate the meeting as you see fit to the praise and glory of your name. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Maurice. So there's actually a lot to talk about with regard to Hanukkah tonight, and I've sort of done things in reverse order, and uh, there are many different directions, different touchstones of, of when it comes to the things that are involved in Hanukkah, and uh, I may go off a little bit in a few directions, but I want you to know that we're going to sort of, if I go off in one direction, for example, when I talk about the canon of scripture, and where we see Hanukkah and these type of things, I'm going to go to a certain point that I'll probably stop because it can just kind of go forever. So there's lots of lots of different things. I want to first kind of start off with some applications about the holiday, go through some traditions, and then look at some of these sort of other some some biblical, some extra biblical stuff. But first things first, one of the most important things uh, when it comes to Hanukkah is, and this is where you really need to decide what, which camp you're in, uh, H or C. I mean, how do you spell it, right? <laughs> You're going to fall in one of these two camps. How many H's do we have in here? How many spell Hanukkah with an H? Nobody? This is C You do H, we have one crazy H person over here? No. No, this is easy. How many C's? How many spell it with a C? Okay, more C's. Everybody's wrong. It's actually a head. But um, anyways, with the English, yes, the C, uh, I think I put a C-H on your notes there. That's the most important thing. What's it, Russian is what? It's a ha, it's like a backwards L or something, I don't know what is that. Okay, that's, that's, so anyways, that's just, uh, that's always where you gotta, you gotta know where you fall. What's that? What's that, what is? Yeah, Hanukkah. So, um, Hanukkah. That word uh, does just mean, mean some dedication or um, or purification. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. Um, and also, we'll talk about. And, and if you read the chapter, you'll see this is is this a biblical holiday or is it not a biblical holiday? And obviously, if you read the chapter, you see that yes. However, it's not in our main text where we've been looking at. We started off in Leviticus twenty-three. You're not going to find it in that section with all the technically the Moadei Adonai, the appointed times of the Lord, but I think we'll, we'll see that it is, it is biblical. It's also contained in what's called the Apocrypha. Is anyone not familiar with what the Apocrypha is? Anyone not know? Oh boy, two, okay, at least two people. So the Apocrypha, there actually are other books in certain Bibles. Did you know that? And this is one of those areas where I say we could really get off talking about a thing called canon, the canon of Scripture, why the books in the Bible that we have are the books. When there are some, Maybe there are other books that some people consider, quote, Scripture. Uh, the Apocrypha are 15 books um, that are, actually I have the uh, heretical half of them. I've got some of these here. It's called the Missing Books of the Bible. I actually have a Bible where they're inside the Bible, but I've got two volumes of, of uh, books that are the Apocrypha. And hopefully, I mean, I'm going to read a little bit from here as well later, uh, because this is, this is actually where the real history, because these are good historical books. They're not scripture, again, for reasons that we could go off and talk about the canon of scripture, and we could be talking about that for, for an entire class, but we won't. 
Um, but there are, there's value in the historical things that are in here that are corroborated, that are agreed upon in other historical writings, like the book, uh, like history, history by Josephus, if you've ever written, uh, read anything by the, the Jewish historian Josephus. Much more difficult to read than this modern translation of, uh, this was from Greek, but the Apocrypha. Um, but again, Apocrypha is not considered scripture, certainly not Yishatzion. Uh, if you go to a Catholic uh, mass or a wedding, you might have a reading from scripture, from a book you've never heard before. And that's, uh, that they consider those to be inspired, uh, but we do not. Uh, these were not in the Hebrew uh, canon. And you never see Yeshua quoting from the Apocrypha. Some people will, there's sometimes in the New Testament scriptures you'll see, doesn't it say in the word that X? And the truth is, that really, we're not sure where it really says that. And maybe it's kind of a, a collection of ideas from the Bible, but there's no real direct quote. Uh, or maybe it's a legend, or maybe it's from the Apocrypha. You'll find similarities. But in general, you don't see anything quoted with regard to that. Um, so not, not prophetic, not inspired, that kind of things. But there are, many, uh, there are many good things. There are also many bad things in the Apocrypha. But certainly the story of, of Hanukkah is in there. Um, so because we kind of started late, I want to get going. because There's a lot of cool things I'd like to talk about, but uh, I think we should get started, and we'll circle back if we need to. What, are, what would you say are the... Uh, well, first of all, um, actually, I'll leave this up for a minute. What would you say are the... When you hear Hanukkah, I'm sure everyone here is familiar with Hanukkah, True or not true, what are some things that you think are the common thoughts about Hanukkah? You know, someone says Hanukkah, what kind of things come to mind? Anyone, anyone want to venture one word or, you know? Lights. Lights? Light, light. Okay. Lighting of the temple, but in New York it's lighting. <laughs> oh, the Empire State Building? <laughs> so lights, anything, what else? What do you think Hanukkah? What do you think, what do you think the people even outside of this room might think if you mentioned Hanukkah to your... The miracle of the oil. The miracle of the oil? Okay. That's more than one movie. That's fine. Not really going to agree. Dreidels? Okay. So, today, what's Hanukkah all about? You might see it. Lights, miracle oil, dreidels, right? Anything else? Latkes. Latkes? Anyone not know what latkes are? <laughs> Amalia, you know what latkes are? You know what latkes? You know what that is? No? Papas fritas. More, más o menos. They're potatoes fried. Eating oil. That's it. Huh? Eating oil. Exactly, that's part of that, so. Anything else? Okay. Menorah. Menorah? Okay. Here's some things that we'll talk about. Actually, menorah, yes, menorah, no. Actually, there's a thing called a Hanukkiah, which is different than a menorah. We'll talk about that. But the gifts. I mean, thanks, John. That's really you know. <laughs> I mean, again, this, these, are, these are the real things that we, you know, we hear about when it comes to Hanukkah. What's that? Yeah, Hanukkah gelt. Gelt. Exactly. That, that goes along with dreidel. And, and, and I hope that we all know that, the, that, that really the answer is, is whether Hanukkah is about these things. The truth is really, well, a couple of them kind of, but really the majority of the things you hear traditionally about Hanukkah is just not what it's about. When you really study it, it's just not what it's about. If you read uh, Kazdan's book, he gave the historical uh, piece originally, which I kind of drew on the board. I don't know if you can see it. But the idea is that really you've got, you had this northern influence and the southern influence from the, the powers at the time the Greek powers at the time, and they were trying to gain land with the Jews caught in the middle. And they were kind of in the struggle. And the little area where Hanukkah takes place was called uh, Modin, which is right there in, in that part of Judea. I just kind of want to give us a geographical reference. And it was this idea of being caught in the 
It kind of started with them being caught in the middle of this, of this fight for power and these strong societal changes that happen. And I think we often think about, when we think of Hanukkah, at least I used to think that, okay, you know, Antiochus, Epiphanes, we've heard of him and because the, the northern folks won and they were coming in to institute their way of life and they sacrificed a pig on the altar, the Jews resisted, they beat them back, they rededicated the temple, end of story. Pretty much how it was. But the truth is, it's really not that uh, simple of a story. In fact, there's a, I've got a couple of books I was going to talk about. That One is um, called A History of the Jews by a guy named Paul Johnson, who's just premier, you know, historian. And if you want to get a fuller picture of that, I'd recommend you read his, his section on Hanukkah in there, because the truth is this really started even well before the events of the actual rededication of the temple, which is right around 165, 164 B.C. But really, you know, many, many years before, probably at least 10 years before that, um, it wasn't just that the, you know, the Antiochus came to power and marched in and just took over everything. This was more of a small, and I think this is important when we think about the application for us as believers for Hanukkah. It was a small, little bit, uh, incremental changes, you know. And it wasn't just the Greeks that came in and overpowered the Jews. Believe me, there were Jews. You read it, the, the history here, and I've got it in the, in the Apocrypha, in the, in the story in Maccabees, and Johnson goes over it as well. <coughs> that they started with Jews, who sort of, in, in a sense, I think I put this part in your notes, that they became, uh, you know, turncoats, or people that, you know, uh, traitors, in a sense. That they really were very complicit. They were very much part of, of this happening, this ultimate thing where the pig was sat, and these kind of changes were taking place that, that uh, the Hasmoneans and, and Judah Maccabee and so forth said no more about. Um, they did it because the truth was life seemed to be easier that way. Uh, in fact, history says that really the boiling point came as a result of the actions of, of Jews, not so much that Antiochus or his armies had come in there. There was this one guy named uh, Menelaus and his predecessors. They basically were allying themselves to Antiochus, and they were exacting taxes from the people, kind of their arm in the area. And they were really the ones that, 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 that made it become, you know, enough is enough. Um, and so, again, this, this all started a lot earlier than what, what is typically spoken about, how this political situation really began around 175 B.C., and then it came to a head in 167. And then that's when the, the pig was sacrificed, really three years before the Jews came in. And that wasn't enough. I tend to always think, oh, they sacrificed a pig, and that was it. We're coming in, and they kind of took care of business right away. But it was several years after that, several years after that. And just to give us a perspective, and this is going to give a different perspective for everybody, because even after the cleansing happened in the temple, um, it didn't just end there. We'll see, we see when I, when I, when I read in, in Maccabees, all the other Jews weren't necessarily happy about it, you know, because their way of life was being threatened. A lot of them were kind of living a good life, and so things kind of continued. So this sort of trickled on all the way through to the time of Yeshua. This is not much, you know, really in the, in the, in the big sense of things. As things played out, it, it didn't like, it, it was, this was part of the, the ambiance and the, the culture at the time Yeshua was around as well. And for us, think about um, something and maybe I'm not much of a historian, but uh, for us right now, living in 2016, think back to 1850. Okay, what was going on in 1850? Anyone? Does anyone know? There's not, there's not one particular thing I'm looking for, but does that kind of time frame more or less bring up any thoughts? The struggle of the, you know, slavery and control of the Muslim, no slaves in the South, no slavery. Does that seem like such a far thing for us? 
Are there any effects of slavery, prejudice towards people of color nowadays still because of something happening? Oh, 1850. It's pretty still present, and there's still a lot of rumblings and things that are, you know, this is not like 100 generations ago. Ever heard of Harry Tubman and the Underground Railroad, precursors of the Civil War? We have photographs of the Civil War, you know? This, so, in essence, when you think about, uh, th that's sort of the, um, what I'm trying to think about, like when Yeshua was around, that was as recent as history, that's kind of, as, as recent as that history is to us, that was as recent as history was to him. I don't know if that impacts you at all, but it kind of, that thought hit me today. That, oh, that's kind of the, the time frame that it was. It wasn't like it's some ancient relic or something that didn't have current impact on them at that time. Um, so that's kind of the perspective. But the big picture, beyond, you know, beyond all these things, okay, that's really the big picture that Hanukkah is about. It's the remembrance of an unlikely military victory that was brought about by the Lord himself. And, and I say that specifically, I want to just read to you, uh, this is the Maccabees' thought of what was going on. This is kind of in the midst of, of what was happening. There was actually a, um, a company of the, of this, uh, of the enemies, if you will, that came, and they were, they really saw that, you know, the, the Judah, they, they, they had assembled kind of a, a group against them. It was much smaller than the oppressing force and so forth. And Judas went out to meet them, kind of the meeting of the, of the two, two sides, you know. And someone on, on Judas' side said, gosh, we have such a small company. He said unto Judas, how shall we be able to be able, being so few, to fight against so great a multitude and so strong, seeing, or, seeing that we're ready to faint with fasting all day? They were fasting. Judas said, it is no hard matter for many to be shut up in the hands of a few. It is no hard matter for many to be shut up in the hands of a few, them being the few, and with the God of heaven, it is all one to deliver with a great multitude or a small company. For the victory of battle stands not in the multitude of the, of the host, so it doesn't matter how many of us there are, but strength cometh from heaven. They come against us in much pride and iniquity to destroy us and our wives and children and to spoil us, but we fight for our lives and our laws. Wherefore, the Lord himself will overthrow them before our face, and as for you, be ye not afraid of them. That's just one, one thing from the from first, uh, first book of Maccabees. When you read through, though, the, the whole story is laid out in here, and it's a lot, again, you, you know, you, you see this, some of this stuff, uh, the rededication. You don't see gifts. Uh, you do see some lights. You don't see dreidels. You don't see latkes necessarily. But that's really what it's about. It's about this unlikely military uh, victory. So if we stop here for a minute and realize that's what Hanukkah is about, some of the applications, I think, that are important for us to take away, because, again, we're going to, after I kind of go through this and some traditions, we'll get off into some things that may or may not really seem related to Hanukkah in a sense. So I want to make sure we, we, get, we get this straight, is that uh, really Hanukkah is about opposition to assimilation. You know assimilation? Blending, blending, in, blending together. Um, and I find that very ironic when you think about Hanukkah, modern Hanukkah, and this, like the one John mentioned. Isn't it ironic that this is a holiday all about being against assimilation, yet what has Hanukkah become but assimilation into Christmas, in a sense, or the, the Jewish answer to Christmas, which really you could talk about Christmas, and is that really what it's about and that kind of stuff. But I find it kind of ironic that uh, it's supposed to be opposition to assimilation, the I see it, but it's just funny considering what Hanukkah has become. Uh, and it's certainly uh, applicable to us is the, this idea of deliverance, God's deliverance, ultimately by God's hands, what I just read there, that's what it's about. You're probably not going to see that much. I mean, you may see that in, in, in the synagogue and so forth. God delivered us. Malatzor Yeshua Ti. That's the, 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 the battle cry and so forth. But I think also understanding the perpetual nature of 
societal pressure and its effects on believers. That's what, that's, again, that's really what started this, a slow, incremental uh, move towards, you know, this is what society's doing and so forth. The other, um, I got two books, actually in the bottom of your notes, these two books, the Paul Johnson book, and this book here is an interesting book. It's called This Is My God by a gentleman named Herman Walk. Uh, and I definitely wanted to read, read some, things, <clears throat> some things to you from, from his book because he makes a few observations that I think are very, or statements that I think are very important for us when we're talking about um, the, these ideas. He talks about communism and its, and its sort of similarity in a sense to, to oppression and, and how that relates. And he said, uh, he says here, can a small people, and he's talking about Jewish people, we can, we can equate this to ourselves, we can equate this to being the ones that are against the flow of society. He said, can a small people dwelling in a triumphant major culture take part in the general life and yet hold to its identity? Or must it be absorbed into the ranks and the ways of the majority? So the proposition is the old one, that the Jews are confronted with a better way of life and should give up their religion for it. That was really what was, that's really what was going on. He says the tyranny, he talks about the thing called the tyranny of, tyranny of the majority. The tyranny of the majority. Actually, in our culture now, I think a lot of times it's the tyranny of the minority, yeah. which is getting blown out of proportion. And you feel like you're in the minority when really you're in the majority. But the tyranny of the, let's call it the media majority, is the pressure to emulate neighbors, the urge to conform to popular views and manners, the deep fear of being different. These, in the United States, are the forces of Antiochus. Where the power of the sword long ago failed, the power of suggestion has recently been doing rather better. When do you think this was written? Looks like a nice chronological book. Any other guess? Possibly, I don't know. I don't get that. Um, well, you all, I was hoping someone would say last year, but no, 1959. 1959 is the original copyright. So, a timeless message, I think, right? Um, yeah, it's funny. He says, it was entirely natural for a new Jewish generation growing up in the U.S. to feel each December like children in the dark outside a house where there was a gay party pressing their noses wistfully against the windows. And I think that's kind of what ends up pushing us towards this <laughs> gifts and lights and, and that kind of thing. And I will talk about lights. It's not completely fiction. Um, but I thought that was pretty pretty timely, pretty neat to read that from, from Herman Wauk, and really nothing has changed. Um, so that's, that's a really good application for us, because again, some of these Jews, we, I tend to always think the story is that the, the Seleucids against the Jews, the Greeks against the Jews, but the truth is, is that the Jews, uh, many of the Jews were assimilated as well, and pressure uh, exists from everywhere, okay? Because even for us today, society asks for a lot more than just tolerance. That was, the, that was the buzzword a while back. And it's really moving from tolerance to, you know, acceptance and celebration. Mm -hmm. And so I think the message is very poignant uh, for us today. And again, when you read, when you, when you read in, in, the, uh, in the account here, in, Ma in the first book of Maccabees, yeah, they, it talks about how they, they rededicated the temple, and they said, we're going to celebrate the feast, you know, on the 25th of Kislev for, for, 20, for uh, eight days with myrrh and gladness. And then there's a few other verses, and then chapter 5 begins, Now when the nations round about heard that the altar was built, and the sanctuary renewed as before, it displeased them very much. In other words, the battle was not, was, by, was far from over. And again, I think the picture
picture often is that, hey, they, they, now the Jews are back on top. And it wasn't necessarily, necessarily the case. Um, the battle was not over. And it never is. It never is. It never is with us either. No matter how much you know, we, we think we're, we're on top and in the right and, and that kind of stuff. Um, let's see here. Yeah, they also they talked about wanting to destroy the generation of Jacob that was among them and so forth. These are Jews talking about Jews and so forth. Um, I want to I want to get into traditions in a second. Any comments or thoughts on on that piece specifically? Just kind of what really Hanukkah is about, maybe what it's become and uh, its applications for us. Did you, Mary? Did you have to? Yeah, these are not just ancient. It's interesting. Uh, I didn't want to talk a lot about it, but it's interesting when you think about all of the stuff like that, like things, modern day things, and modern day stuff like that. Yet this is the this is in Purim are the two things that have sort of persisted in tradition. You know what I mean? We don't necessarily celebrate, you know, Crystal uh, Nacha. These, I mean, we, in a sense, we do with Yom HaShoah and so forth. But this is the one that's kind of instituted in tradition, which is kind of interesting. Any other thoughts? Yes. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, in America, what I like about America, I came from different countries. Like the I like about America that, uh, well, Hanukkah is like Christmas, uh, Jewish Christmas. Uh-huh. There's all these, uh, like, holiday lights, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, people, you just take, let's say, resurrection of the Lord, okay? Mm-hmm. It was such a spiritual, deep um, celebration. Jewish people, you know, worship 
that theme is certainly there, and that's that's an important one. And sometimes it sometimes is there. You have experience with that. And sometimes it gets completely lost. You know, I don't know that I could. I mean, I could have really told the details of the story growing up myself. But again, you mentioned someone mentioned oil. Obviously, there's some traditions that we do on Hanukkah, which certainly eating eating stuff with oil to remind us of the oil. But again, that was uh, we we lit a, we lit a thing, but that's not that wasn't that wasn't the, the main focus. Go ahead. You had something else. Okay. Uh, um, Curious about something. Christmas, of course, is a holiday that doesn't have to have Yeshua in it at all if this is Christmas. Uh, is Hanukkah ever done anywhere without any mention of God? I, mean, I can't. I can't presume to speak for anywhere, but I, mean, I wouldn't think so. Not. I, wouldn't, I, I don't, so I don't far, think. Let's put it this way. I have not heard so far. Not that I've heard everything. Oh. I'm not aware. Like, has it strayed that far away? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have not so far. Uh, um, come across any celebration that's just about um, gifts and potatoes and dreidels, and, and there's no mention of. I will bet. I, I don't know for a fact, but I would guess from the from the breadth of Jewish stuff I've seen nowadays, I would bet there absolutely is festival of lights, family, you know, food, that kind of stuff. I, I would, Which there's nothing wrong with family and food. But I would give. I would, Hanukkah is based on. Sure, but to, but, but to uh, answer your question, if I were to guess, I'd say I bet there is. I bet there are celebrations that are completely devoid of God. I would guess. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be too far fetched either. But I don't know for a fact. But I would say that it would be pretty safe to say. Be my guess. Um, but the candles, uh, Russell mentioned the menorah, but we have the Hanukkah, which is nine candles. This is probably really reviewed for most everybody. But you know, you've got the eight days represented by eight candles and the one servant candle, the Shamash. We can preach a lot of good stuff about that. Yeshua, the servant, the light of the world. You're like, not all bad. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily bad stuff to talk about. But in relation to Hanukkah, it's tangential, I believe. If we're, if we're going to kind of thoroughbred what Hanukkah is about, then not necessarily Yeshua being the light of the dedication, rededication. All these things are good, and they, they can be touch points for us to, to do that. But anyways, that's what the, uh, the candles are for, the food made with oil, the dreidel. Kazdan talked about that, the idea that the dreidel was a uh, kind of a diversion for when the soldiers came by and so forth, and they weren't supposed to be studying Torah, because that was all the things that were that were outlawed. Anyone not know about the dreidel? Aaron, is that new to you? The dreidel. So dreidel is a little spinning top, right? So they would pretend to play with a spinning top, and it's kind of a little gambling game, and so that when oh, they're coming, put the Torahs away, put the Bible study away, we'll be playing a game. And then when they leave, sort of, the, idea, the, the thought is that it was a cover for them to study the Torah. And the dreidel has four letters on it, a nun, gimel, a hay, and a shin. And in the game, they represent that, oh, you get, get to put something into the pot, and one of the other ones, you get to take money out of the pot, and so forth. But the letters stand for uh, a great miracle happened there. It's a reminder. And if you're in Israel, if you're where it happened, you say a great miracle happened here. So the Israeli dreidels actually have a different letter. One letter is different. So that's that. Um, so those are some of the fun traditions. Now, this is the stuff that I think could could or may not take a little may not take as long as I thought, but I think is important. Unless someone has something specifically about the holiday or some of the, the things I talked about with regard to the apocrypha or the historical things, anyone have any questions about that before I get into other stuff? Yes. What what was the condition of the operation of the temple between the time Antiochus and the Mac? It was operating. What happened was at, at this time it started. It, it kind of switched from being a real place of worship to this center of taxation and so on, because they were getting angry because, look, you're spending all this good money on these sacrifices and so forth, and we need to get some of that money into the, into the treasury, into the coffers and so forth. So, and actually, and also, you might look at this book and kind of, uh, you know, balk, because it's 
Johnson doesn't write short books. But you can but you can read the section on Hanukkah and you can kind of cherry pick through it. He gives a real good picture, I think, of what because it's it's a kind of chronological. <laughs> so you can you can kind of pick up around 175 BC and read through about 164 and stop, you know, in about 10 pages. But it's pretty pretty gives you a real good flavor of what of what's going on at that time. David, one other quick thing. Yeah. The thing about the yeah, I don't think that's what, what I'm saying. That's why I think that's kind of why I was mentioning, like you know, kind of thinking about in the 1850. What things have put? I mean, are there racists nowadays in the U.S.? I mean, the point is, I think that's why I kind of think. I mean, there are heavy, hardcore racists, and you know, I've seen ridiculous interviews with these people in our. Well, I don't want to say where they're located. All over the place, uh, not in New York, I'm sure, but. but uh, so yeah, I think for sure. You know, there's. there's uh, well, Axe mentioned that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um, back to the scripture part. I think scripture is important. This is a Bible study, right? So biblical or not biblical? Right? We talk about non non biblical. Does everyone does anyone struggle with that about this holiday being non biblical? Do we all kind of feel comfortable where the Bible touches on Hanukkah? Does anybody struggle with that, wondering that? It's, it's not really biblical. Well, I think there's a difference between biblical. There's in the Bible, and there's mandated by God. Mm-hmm. When someone says biblical, do they mean that it's mentioned in Scripture, right. or do they mean that it was mandated by God? I don't know. Does anyone think, does anyone think the Hanukkah is not mentioned in the Bible at all? I think we all agree. Huh? It's just one little verse. What's that? It's just a few words. Where? The book of John. Yeah, so John. John is the most explicit reference to the Feast of Dedication. I was reading a rabbi, it's kind of funny, he said, oh, you know, he didn't celebrate Hanukkah, it just said he was walking in there in the Feast of Dedication. Okay, it's this really specific argument. The point is, it's the most specific reference regarding that Yeshua was in that area uh, at the Feast of Dedication. It's safe to assume with everything else he did that he was participating and that it was a thing and so forth. Um, how about, um, how about, and here's the thing, What's that? Okay. Because I think the lessons, the lessons remain the same. How about these, uh, these references in Daniel? Did y'all read the section, the stuff in Daniel that uh, that that spoke about? Does anyone, does anyone, everyone know what I'm talking about in Daniel? Because there seems to be some very, very specific. Huh? There's a lot of parallels there. References in Daniel. When you start talking about then, Daniel talks about this, this, this starting around chapter 8, going through 9, 10, and 11, you continue to read about this desecrating sacrilege, this abomination of desolation, the real clear picture of you know, four kingdoms. We can see those are the four kind of Greek you know, rulers, and then one rises up more than the rest, Alexander the Great, all this kind of stuff. And it seems like a real clear picture. And, and then it talks about the abomination of desolation. It almost seems like specifically the temple will be, you know, will be profaned and all this kind of stuff. Um, anyone think that's speaking about Hanukkah? Does that seem reasonable to you? About Antiochus. Yeah. 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 Yes? I always think that. I think it focuses and it shows in John the piece of dedication doesn't say Hanukkah but it says dedication and we just sang the song after prayer during prayer it was taking Shreya Sanctuary yeah. And that's the desire in the heart. And Daniel, too, even though he didn't go back, mm-hmm. when he was able to go back to Israel, he remained in, you know, in Babylon because he knew the center of God was 
saw I saw Aaron kind of smiling back there. So you were kind of shaking no, I think. Well, what do you think? Let's, let's look here for a second. So Daniel 8, 21 through, uh, through 25 is what is what uh, is the main section that Kasdan pointed to with regard to this, you know, being a picture of this, this time, this historical time. Daniel 8, 21. Daniel, yeah. when exactly, what period of time is Hanukkah happening? Pardon? What time? Daniel? Years. Daniel? No, oh, Hanukkah. Well, it's around, the actual... Uh, Reclamation of the temple and so forth was like 164 before Yeshua BCE. So Daniel 8:21 says the male goat. It's talking about these different these animals and the different kingdoms. Says the male goat is the king of Greece, okay, and the great horn between its eyes is its first king. As for the horn that was broken in place, this is the the, the, the explanation by the, the, the angel Gabriel. As for the horn that was broken in place, of which four others arose. Okay, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation. So Kazan taught this is the history, the Greek history here. At the end of their rule, when the transgression has reached their full measure, a king of bold countenance shall arise, skilled in intrigue, shall be strong in power, shall cause fearful destruction, and shall succeed in what he does. He shall destroy the powerful and the people of the holy ones. By his cunning he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall be great. You know, Antiochus called himself God, you know, basically Zeus God, Antiochus, you know, God himself. Without warning, he shall destroy many, and shall even rise up against the prince of princes. He shall be broken, and not by but he shall be broken, and not by human hands. Which is part of what I read earlier, showing that the, the thought of the, of the Judeans has to who did the conquering. So that's that's the picture. Now I don't know if you know the question is what the heck is this about? I mean, it seems pretty. In fact, this is so clear, and I, and I agree with what Kazan said. It's so clear in terms of how it lines up with history that some people say, well, this had to have been written after all this stuff took place. Um, but when you start going a little further, if you back up, actually back up a little bit, uh, we see these starting in verse 8, 13, or chapter 8, verse 13. It says, Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is this vision concerning? It gives the time frame, basically, is what it starts off giving the time frame. Um, how many mornings and how many evenings. So we can really start doing some calculations. In fact, in, a lot of, in some parts of Judaism, they say, Do not study the dates in Daniel, or you will explode. <laughs> it's kind of a warning because things are so clear. Uh, flip over to uh, Daniel 9, verse 27. Uh, you can see there again, it says, He shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall make sacrifice and offering cease, and in their place shall be an abomination that desolates until the decreed end is poured out upon the desolator. A little more specific, uh, 11, chapter 11, verse 31. Forces sent by him. We're still talking about the same person, whoever it is, if it's Antiochus or not, I don't know. So we don't know here, it's not named. But forces sent by him shall occupy and profane the temple and fortress. They shall abolish the regular burnt offering and set up the abomination that makes desolate. Chapter 12, verse 11. It's the last one I'll read here. From the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that desolates is set up, there shall be 1,290 days and so on and so forth. So we start calculating this out. It really seems to line up with, uh, well, a couple things. Again, this is where it gets a little tricky, I think. And this is where, again, I'm going to go off, and I may not take it to its full thing, because this language, on the one hand, we can say, ah, okay, and it's, this, is, this is one of the arguments. There's several different views, biblical, uh, scholarly views on this. Yes, this absolutely, this abomination of desolation that's being spoken of here <clears throat> is this Hanukkah event. 
This is Antiochus Epiphanes. This is this event we're reading about. Is it not as clear as it can be? Well, not necessarily. There's also the possibility that it could be uh, A.D. 70, the destruction of the temple. Then with all prophecy, this kind of gets into prophecy in general. This, it, it, with all prophecy, we've got to consider, you know, what's the point of telling the people right now about all this stuff, you know? Um, and more importantly than any of that, we need to compare with, and we talked about John chapter 10, right, uh, where it talks about Yeshua being there at the time of the Feast of Dedication. But there are, in, in all the Gospels, except for, for John, we've got, uh, we've got almost the identical language as being used in Daniel here um, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, is that, so that, that's where it's, well, maybe we're talking about AD 70. Maybe we're talking about when Yeshua returns. Because if you look, for example, flip over to Mark chapter 13 and verses 14 to 23. Mark? Mark, yeah, Mark 13 verses uh, 14 to 23. So Mark 13 verse 14 says, But when you see the desolating sacrilege set up where it ought not to be, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one on the housetop must not go down or enter the house to take anything away. The one in the field must not turn back to get a coat. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that they may not be in the winter, for in those days there will be suffering, such as those days, uh, I'm sorry, such as, such, this is really key, I want you to remember this part, such as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now, no and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he has cut short his days. And if anyone says to you at that time, look, here's the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will appear in possible signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be alert, I have already told you everything. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So... Again, this is some of the same language as in Daniel. Um, let me, uh, I don't know if I want to cut to the chase early or not. Um, here's what I see. When you read, this is a lot of stuff. We can't possibly look at all the relevant passages in Daniel or all the, that's the main passages in Mark, and, and I think I put in your notes the different passages, the parallel passages from Matthew and Luke. Mm-hmm. Did others in there? Yeah. That's, that's, okay. So you've got those are the, those are these are all kind of the relevant passages I think. But really, when you, when, I, when I go back and I read Daniel, um, what I see really is a common thread because there are great arguments that can be made for this abomination of desolation being the event we're talking about tonight, Hanukkah. I think uh, AD seventy is also one as well. Um, but a common thread that that you'll see throughout the text of Daniel, uh, certainly towards the end of the chapter, you see these words end end time. Uh, you see it more in Daniel chapter 11 and 12. And that's kind of a thread. If you were to read like straight through from chapter 11 through, through 12 of Daniel, actually through the end of Daniel, you'll see it's the end time, everything, all the pronouns and stuff kind of always are referring back to the same thing, this, this end time. And because he keeps saying, he'll say, at that, he'll start off with the, in the end time, and then he'll say, at that time this, at that time this, at that time this will happen. Um, Talks about many who will be sleeping, who will awake, some to everlasting life, others to disgrace. Almost sounds like you're reading the 
the book of Mark and Matthew and, and so forth, talking about the sheep and the goats and so forth. And I think when you ultimately weigh all of that scriptural evidence, okay, I think that, at least in my, this is my opinion, again, you, if you were to go home and start Googling this stuff, you'll, you'll see the, the proponents of Antiochus, you'll see the proponents of, of AD 70. But my, my position is that the abomination of desolation is scheduled to take place in its full meaning. Again, this is where we talk about prophecy. There's no double fulfillment, because prophecy either fulfilled or is not fulfilled, but it's filled full. Maybe there's partial fulfillments or, or, or so forth. But I think that it is fulfilled in its full meaning uh, at the end of this present age prior to the second coming of Messiah. There are problems with that view, too. I'm not saying there's not problems with taking that view necessarily. Um, and I do believe that while events such as this desecration of the temple by Antiochus and, and the Roman army were also, in, in a sense, an abomination of desolation, that really, at the best, they're only a precursor uh, or a shadow of what, of what Daniel saw uh, and, and had explained to him. And that Yeshua himself, when we read like the passage I just read here, when he declared that, you know, after the abomination, he's talking about after the abomination of desolation, he'll come in glory to gather the saints and so forth. I think that it's very much in a future context. Because it's hard to argue when Yeshua says, this is the worst thing that's ever been, it's the worst thing that ever will be. To think that we've seen that already is kind of where I you know, fall. Maybe that you're all, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, I don't know. But I wanted to bring it up because these are the touchstones of Hanukkah with scripture. You know, it's not just the festival of lights, and it's not just even just about the dedication. And yes, I think the applications we take away are, you know, the, the concern about assimilation, the concern about pressure of the prevailing society, the concern of incrementalism, you know, slowly kind of slipping into, you know, things that are going to take us away and so forth. Um, but the touchstone with, with, with non-scripture is, there's, there's history, there's Josephus, there's, there's the Apocrypha, which, not scripture, but definitely got some good history there. And then also uh, with the book of Daniel, in the sense that I, I think it, it is you know, a partial fulfillment in a sense. Um, and then also the fact that, that Yeshua was, you know, we, see, we see, to me, that Yeshua walking around at, 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 at the Feast of Dedication is, that's there. It's a explicit reference. But to me, the, the bigger questions are kind of what's going on prophetically and so forth, and how this has played out that way. Mary? I, well, I like to just read what you're reviewing this. And I, like, I like the book of Daniel. I know it's very hard to understand, but I, I'm almost like a writer portion of it. Really? But the idea is that it's true. Um, well, the encounter that Yeshua had with the devil and his, when he was tempted, right, after Fishermen, they were just part 
question like when Yeshua says, let the reader understand. What does that mean? I don't understand. What's that? What's that? Any other questions or comments? So far, yes, Scott. I just have a question because, uh, like you said, I know She didn't see you. She, she's not a school teacher. She's a teacher. I always thought that uh, 
there are some great messianic resources also that I don't think are off base that have you know different scriptures for every night of the reading. You know, because in Judaism we just read, you know, bless you, Lord God, King of the Jews, who has sanctified us by your commandments, commanded us to light the kindle of the lights of, of Hanukkah. And that's it, same thing every night. You know, first night you say thanks for bringing us to the season. But in, in, in some messianic tradition, uh, you know, there's there's different different things you can say, different passages you can you can read, and we can expand this quite a bit more than than what's traditionally done. Join. Thank you for raising your hand this time. I will see you. I will try to text chocolate or extend what you were saying about the assimilation thing. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I read the Maccabee story centuries ago. Yeah. Um, once, has anyone uh, you read? Has anyone else not read First Maccabees? I, I never had either. Don't, it's, don't, don't feel scared to read it. You have read. It. Well, I had read it years ago, but I'm saying up until last year, I think when I was in seminary, I decided I, I bought this at the seminary library book sale and decided to read it. But it's interesting. I think you'll also see why it might stand out to you why this is clearly not scripture in some cases. But yet again, there's some stuff that's pretty good. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, just to say, um, the thing that struck me is um, you talk about assimilation. Well, what struck me is here are some people who so wanted to do what they felt was right before God. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really were prepared to fight. I mean, there's a lot of death. And, and you know, yeah. and, and um, to, de to defy, they died for, 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 for their faith and so on. So one of the things that struck me was here were people who just thought, I, I want to live for God, I want to do what, you know, and um, really suffered because of it. So as we talk about the assimilation thing, mm -hmm. because I think it is so true, true in this society, there's a lot of pressure to be like the rest of society, or else you're really ridiculed, or you're yeah. persecuted in some way. And I, 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 to me, one of the things that Hanukkah does is remind us um, that it should be precious to us, I guess, mm. that we we walk in the paths that the Lord has, you know, walk yeah. in the ways of God, and not. So it's just a slight expansion, I guess, on what you were saying about Yeah, you know, it's like, I don't think we want, I mean, no one should remember people. Say, pray for struggles here sometimes, you know. <laughs> my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law told my mother-in-law, he said, I pray for struggles. My mother-in-law said, I not pray for struggles. You know, she's like, she's like, she's like, she says, struggles will come. And she's, like, she's like, well, I don't want to pray for them. It's kind of silly. On the one, on the other hand, we know they come and God, in the time he said it today, that you know, God does great work in the midst of struggles. And that's true, but we don't necessarily want to pray for it. But you got to realize, when we read this story, if you get Paul Johnson, you read this, if you read the history it was not a, like I said, it wasn't a one and done, like they got all upset, came in, and they killed, and they actually killed a fellow Jew. That's how it started. And, it wasn't, you know, uh, and, and this was a protracted, you know, leading up to, kind of getting angry, getting angry, and then a, that's the final straw. Then they killed the guy, head for the hills, three years of guerrilla warfare, come back in to rededicate the temple, and then still, it wasn't smooth sailing. I mean, from the moment it happened, it wasn't like everyone said, boy, I'm glad someone stood up. Some of the people were like, oh, this is no good. You know, we're still we're still being oppressed, and it went on and on and on. And even to the time of Yeshua, it wasn't like the Jews were you know heroes of you know of, of the city and so forth. Again, kind of like we can think about something that happened 160 years ago, and how it's still impacting us today. One final comment from Miss Maurice, who also raised her hand. Yes, <laughs> um, I think um, we can also extrapolate from Hanukkah that we uh, when we like the Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. In the same way, Yeshua said he took that very thing and then mm -hmm. yeah. extracted from that he was the light of the world. Well, he didn't do it at Hanukkah. Right. Right. 
But certainly, certainly <laughs> lights, you too, come on then. They are, they are asking you to kill her tonight. Right. That is right. I mean, again, the truth is, whether Hanukkah is about it or not, I think it's legitimate for us yes. to say yes. Yeshua is, was a servant. Uh, he he uh, is a light to the world. He came to give light to everyone so he can give light to others. But if that's all we say about Hanukkah, that's very anemic. I mean, that we can, we can work off of the idea of light for sure, but that's not all what Hanukkah is about. I hope everyone learned a little something different tonight. Uh, if you'd like to look at some of these books, I'll leave them up here for a moment. And uh, But for now, next week, by the way, I'm going to look around here. There's two of my talking to, probably Jorge, I guess. Uh, child care, this is the last week they're doing gifts and they're doing prizes and stuff like that tonight. And so this is the last week. Because we were supposed to finish. We had Tisha B'Av in the middle, which was last week. So this really should have been the final class. Next week, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be pouring. Uh, I plan to, to do that uh, next week, pouring, and then Possibly, the, well, definitely, the, I'd say the week after, if not maybe the next two weeks, uh, we are looking at having a guest speaker uh, named uh, Dr. Ellen DeLay or something like that. So we might get to hear from Dr. DeLay for two weeks after that. We're hoping uh, that she's going to be able to work that in, so that might be what happens. And then we'll take a little break uh, up through the, uh, the Holy Day. So Floyd, would you mind closing us in prayer? Father, we thank you that we could gather here tonight and to look into your word and get further insights into what our beliefs are, Father. And get further insights into you, actually, and what you have opened our eyes and our hearts up to in the word that you've given us. We just pray, Father, that you will help us to instill these things that we've learned into our lives and that we will not forget the things that have been done in the past and the things that have been accomplished. Thank you now that you will go with us through the remainder of this evening. We just ask you to protect us as you go with us. These things we ask in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.